There was a story about a woman who spent all day in a hot kitchen preparing a five-course meal for some out-of-town guests that had come along. You might think this is a Thanksgiving story, but it happened in the summer. It was about 100 degrees outside. It was about 120 degrees inside of her kitchen. And she worked all day to turn out a good meal for all the folks that were coming. So when everyone sat down to eat, the woman, tired from the time of preparation, all the things were done, she said to her six-year-old son, who was sitting at the table, he said, would you say grace? He says, well, I don't really know what to say. He said, and she had been teaching him some prayers at nighttime, things to say, and so she said, well, just say one of the prayers that I taught you. And so he, uh, he did that. And this is what he, he prayed. He said, dear God, you know that this day is already ruined because of my obligation to feed those ungrateful people. Why did you make the weather so hot? See, apparently the mom didn't realize that when she was saying these things in the kitchen, and she said that several times, <laughs> that he picked up on that as a new prayer. And he began to, to say that out. We're taking a break from our normal series here today. We didn't have a Thanksgiving service on Wednesday. We're kind of carrying that over here into, into today. We need to stay thankful. We need to stay grateful. We need to stay in that area of, of being thankful and grateful. And as I pondered this, I thought we usually begin anything with a thankful and grateful attitude. Then stuff happens. Stuff happens afterwards to lead us to change that. Now think about this. When you start a new job, how many of you, when you start that new job, were very grateful for that new job? Very glad for that new job. Very happy for all the new people that were around you. But then stuff happened. And the new job wasn't quite as glamorous anymore. Think of it this way too. When that baby was first born, how many of us were thankful and grateful for the new baby? But then the 2 a.m. feedings and the 4 a.m. crying for whatever reason. And we could become less thankful and less grateful as, as time had gone on. And then the uh, twos and threes and everything was no. And everything was a conflict. And we became less grateful about that. But we started out in a good spot. When, when people get married, how many are thankful and grateful for the spouse that they have? But then stuff happens. And we become less thankful and less grateful for some of the things that have, have gone on. How many of you received something from someone were very thankful and grateful when it came? But then some things happened with that thing. You weren't quite so thankful and grateful. You got a new car, thankful and grateful for a new car. Until that new car broke down and had a problem. We became less thankful and grateful. We always start out things thankful and grateful. But then we become less thankful and grateful. We've done this too with our walk with the Lord. When we got first born again, we were very thankful and grateful for God. But then as the time went on, how many of y'all know, stuff happened. And we weren't sure why this happened. We weren't sure why God allowed this to happen. We didn't quite understand what was going on with this. And we became less thankful and less grateful to a God who saved us. In Psalms 100, it says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Reading the whole thing, it's five verses. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. It is a good thing when you enter into something to be thankful. To enter in with thankfulness. It is a good thing to come in with praise. When you first got that new job, how many of you came in that next day and you were thankful and you were glad and you were happy until some conflicts began to come up, some problems began to come in. You weren't quite as thankful and and grateful about that. Happens with all the other things we have too. That baby first is born, you can't wait for the day, the next day when the baby gets to wake up and you get to hold the baby and But then after the baby keeps waking up and crying and asking for things and there can be a morning that you wake up and say, oh, I'm not ready for this today. When we first got born again, we were excited to get to church. We were excited to open up his word. We were excited to pray. And when we came into his courts with prayer to pray to God, we came in. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for the things you have blessed me with. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for believers who helped me out. And then as time went on, we began to come into his presence. God, I don't understand why you're doing this. We totally went right by the part of entering into his gates with thanksgiving. And we enter into his gates with complaining. We, we see the comics all the time. You know, the husband comes home from work when they're first married, first newlyweds. And the husband comes in and just so glad to be home with his new wife and, and just comes on in. And they're just thankful for each other. But then as time goes on, the husband comes in and says, where's dinner? That's that's not coming in with thanksgiving. (laughs) We've got to be careful about some of these things. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We always start things out this way. But then they become corrupted. Then they become problematic. And we're no longer coming in with thanksgiving and praise. And we're wondering why it's not quite the same as it was before. Why is it not quite that, that good? You know, you go to the, to the pet store and they have all those cute little puppies behind the window. And you look, I mean, every no matter what the breed, except for chihuahuas, there is no stage of their life that a chihuahua is attractive. No stage. I, I, there's just not. There's just, I've, you may like chihuahuas. That's, you can have them all. We had a, a lady in the neighborhood who had one. Meanest thing in the world. Oh, I'll tell you what, it was mean. I didn't forget his name. Didn't like it. It was just mean, ugly. But you go in there to the pet store and you see that cute little puppy. And it looks so cute. And you pull it into the room where you can play with it. And it's so playful and it's so soft. And it's licking you and it's just enjoying your presence. It's so happy to be in your presence and it's just so glad. And you say, oh, we need to take it home. And you take it home and things are great for a couple of days. But then, you know, it has the accident in the house. It chews up your favorite slippers, slobbers on your shoes. As it gets bigger, it continues this pattern. My mother-in-law had a dog that ate the sofa. That's just not something you expect when you come home to see the sofa eaten. <laughs> you, how many of y'all know you would feel less thankful about that dog then than after you and you first in the, in the store? 
Yeah, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in, in one body, and be thankful. We need to be in a state, folks, of being thankful. We need to be in a place, in a state, where we continually stay thankful. Thankful for what we have. Thankful for what God has blessed us with. If we get out of a state of being thankful... We enter into a different state, and it's not as good. And then problems follow us. The problems come, and we don't understand, why is it this way? In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful nor were thankful. You will find that a lot of problems people have stem from the fact that they stopped being thankful. They stopped giving praise and glory to God for what they had. And their eyes were always on what they don't have, what they haven't had yet, how good it was, stuff like that. Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. When we become unthankful, the illumination we have on the Word of God is darkened. And that is the light of our way. If our illumination of his word is darkened, how can our way be lightened? What happens is, is another light comes along, a false light. And people accept this. They now have a false light. Why do they accept that? Well, one of the reasons and one of the ways people get off track is they stop being thankful. It's really easy to get our eyes on all the things we don't have. Real easy to do that. But be thankful for what you do have. It's real easy to look at your car and say, oh, my car is lacking in this and it doesn't have that. And look at all that new stuff that's out there. And we become less thankful for the car that we have, for the house that we have, for the stuff, other stuff that we got. We're just less thankful for it. It was great for a while, but now, uh, I don't know. Now they got these other things out and the paint's not quite as shiny and it's chipped a little bit and the seats aren't quite as fresh and it doesn't quite smell like a new car inside. and We have all kinds of reasons to kind of drift off from that. But if you just stay thankful for it, just stay thankful. doesn't mean you have to keep that car forever. Just stay in a thankful way. When you do, that new car comes around, that new thing to replace what it is that you have, you'll be even more thankful. And be in a good frame of mind. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Well, we all think we're in the last days, but we are definitely more in the last days than Paul was. We are closer to those last final days than Paul was, and so we can certainly relate to this. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away. Among other things, when we adapt that attitude of unthankfulness, we will have a form or we may maintain a form of godliness, but we deny all of its power. We deny the power of godliness that's supposed to be in us. How can we change the situations that we face? How can we combat the things that the enemy throws against us when we have adopted these attitudes? 
Well, as we said, we don't start out this way. We become ungrateful. So how do we become ungrateful, unthankful? How do we get into that place? Because we didn't start out there. Well, there is a process. First off, we forget what we have received. Don't we? We forget that we received some things. Israel, when they were wandering around the wilderness and they would run out of food, they would run out of water, they would run into hardship, they constantly forgot what God did for them. And God would try and remember, remind them, didn't I bring you through the Red Sea? Didn't I bring the ten plagues upon your enemies? Didn't I bring you out of Egypt with an abundance? They gave you go to leave. That's a good thing. Didn't I rain manna down from heaven? Didn't I bring water from a rock? So he reminds us constantly of things. He always told Israel, put, the, put yourself in remembrance. Do these things to remember. He would have feast of things to tell them of things to come. Because he always wanted us to be mindful. Remember these things. But we forget what we've received. We forget some of the things that we've received from God. That God has done for us. That's why when you make up those uh, praise books of all the things God has, it's sometimes just good to sit down and read them over. What has God done for me? What has God done for me? So that's one of the things we do in this, this process. We forget what we have received. Another thing is we regret what we have received. We forget some of the things we receive, but then other times we regret it. I wanted this, but now I don't want it anymore. You know, I wanted a new puppy, but I regret getting that new puppy right now. This is not so, uh, not as good as it was in the, in the store. There's a story in Numbers chapter 21, verse 1. The king of Arad, the Canaanite who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road to Atherim. Then he fought against Israel and took some of, their, some of them prisoners. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of the place was called Hormah. Great victory. We talked about this just recently. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Discouragement is a breeding ground for unthankfulness. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. God was giving them manna every day, and they said that our soul loathes this worthless bread. Calling what God gave them worthless. Don't you think they're kind of regretting what it is they, that the Lord had sent? They were grateful when God brought them out of the land, but now they're not quite so grateful. They regret, oh, that we would have just stayed in the land of Egypt where it was so good. We had six weeks of paid vacation. We had all the stuff we wanted to eat. We just feasted every day. Things were good. If we didn't feel like going to work, the Egyptians just let us off. It's amazing how much we remember the past as if it was better. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? Why have you brought us up? <laughs> I brought you up because you wanted to come. I brought you up here because you asked to, to be delivered, to come up. You asked for it. Well, of course, that set off the fiery serpents and so forth. So we forget what we've received. We regret what we received. And then we have the, the third one. 
We should get what we receive. I should get it. I deserve that. That should come to me. Why doesn't it? I mean, if you've been at work and you heard that so-and-so got a raise. And you know you work harder than so-and-so. You work longer. Your job is more important. You produce more money. You know it. And you begin to think, I should have gotten that. What happens on the inside? A salary that you were happy with a few hours ago is suddenly insufficient. Can't believe they're still paying me this. I'm worth so much more. We get upset because I should get what they had. I should. We have that attitude. How many of y'all know people have this attitude that whatever anyone else, whatever anyone else gets, well, you should get it. How many people you know out there who think, well, I should get paid at least as much as LeBron James. I mean, all he does is play basketball. Mine is far more. I mean, I'm helping people. I'm doing this or whatever it might be. And we, we come up with all the reasons why we should make as much money as him. But the truth about it is you don't generate as much money as LeBron James does. He generates more money than you do. I am not a LeBron James fan. I was glad the Sixers didn't sign him. I just don't like the attitude. You all may like his play. I mean, Corey and I have discussions about this all the time. He, I'm sure he plays well, but I can't get past the attitude. So, But you see, we have this, and that's what this should get thing is. It's an attitude. I should have it. Whatever you have, I should have it. I should have better. And we all think that I should have it because I deserve it. Therefore, because I deserve it, I ought to get it. That's the wrong attitude. That means no one can bless you with anything because I should get it. God can't bless you. God can't give you something by his grace and by his mercy because your thinking is, I should have it. It should be mine. Why is it not mine? And this attitude begins to creep in. It gets you proudful or proud. You know what God does with proud people. We've talked about that enough times. Well, we've got a story to look into with that part. But let's go on to the fourth one here. We forget what we have been given. We regret what we have been given. We should get what we receive or we resent what others have received. Can't believe they got that. They, they don't deserve that at all. I mean, God, I've been serving in a church for 20 years. And this person comes along, got saved last week. And already you're doing this kind of thing for them. I believe for you for 15 years to be healed of this condition. And they got healed today. It's only being saved a week. That's just not right. That's not right. I resent what others have received. And I begin to meditate on that resentment. I begin to think about that resentment. Judas with the anointing oil. When he saw that great costly oil being poured out on Jesus' feet, he was resentful of what Jesus was receiving. Because he wanted to get it. It could have been sold. We could have put the money in the till and given it to the poor. Because he was thinking, I can take some of that. If we get all that money in there, I can take some of that. They won't notice it. Luke chapter 17, verse 12. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now listen to this. Jesus, Master, they're acknowledging the superiority. Have mercy on us. Give us something that we don't deserve. 
So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was as they went. They were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Fell down on his face at his feet. Gave him thanks. Now he can come down at his feet because he's cleansed. Now he has not been pronounced cleansed. And technically, he cannot touch another person until he is pronounced clean by the priest. But Jesus is the one who healed him. So who should know whether he's healed completely or not? Jesus. So he comes down fully believing that he is totally 100% healed. And does something he knows he shouldn't do, especially to one who is a master or a rabbi or a teacher. And he bows down at his feet. He fell down on his face at his feet, gave him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Gave him thanks. Thank you. Thank, thank you for, for healing me. Thank you. Just grateful. Now, all, the, all of them said together, have mercy on us. But only one came back. Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? How many did Jesus expect to come back? All of them. He expected all of them to come back. If you were used this as a ratio, one out of ten people are grateful. I don't know that you can use that as a ratio, but at least in this situation, one out of ten people were grateful. What about the rest of them? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? I mean, someone who is not 100% Jew? A Samaritan? He's the one who comes back? No one else does? To give glory to God? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Whose faith? Why is he thanking Jesus? Well, who started him in the right motion? Jesus did. Jesus is telling him, your faith. Well, how was it his faith? Because when he said, go and show yourself to the high priest, they did. Just like with the manna or the, the water. When he said, go and take some out and take it to the master of ceremonies, they did. There's faith involved in that. He says, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus expected more people to come back than just the one. He expected some other ones to come back. Maybe not all of them, but he expected some other ones to come on back. And they, they did not. Because they may have thought, well, I should get this. I have suffered for a lot of years. Because I have suffered for a lot of years, I deserve to have this done. So somehow nine thought they deserved what they got. In order to get yourself to that place where you think you deserve what you got from God. What kind of things have to go over in your mind? What do you have to be thinking on? I put this in your outline for you. There's a problem with chronic conditions. Chronic conditions are ones that keep continually showing up. Uh, there's either no hope for them to go away or they haven't gone away or whatever it might be. Here are some problems with chronic conditions. They wear us down because they're constant. They are every day on a continu continual basis. You are facing that pain. You are facing that situation. You are facing that thought. You are facing that depression. You are facing whatever it is that you're facing you're facing it on a regular basis, and it just begins to wear you down. And you begin to think on this and say, this is wearing me out. 
This is wearing me down. I'm tired. I keep fighting this thing. I keep fighting. I keep fighting. It's just wearing me down. I don't know if I can keep fighting. I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can keep this up. We begin to think thoughts like this. Pretty soon that sets an expectation up in us. I can't last forever. I can't keep this going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to falter on this. They wear us down. Here's another one. They alter our attitudes. You know people that are cranky? And, uh, and people suppose that, well, that's because they're constantly in pain. Made them cranky. Made them short-tempered because they're constantly in pain. They didn't used to be that way, but when this thing came on them, when this condition happened, when this thing came on in their life, well, now they become like this. It changes the attitude. They wear us down. They alter our attitudes. They change our expectations. People who have chronic conditions, what do they expect tomorrow to be like? The same as it was today. How about next week? The same as it was today. Now, next year, they might have a little bit different expectation. It'll probably be worse. Right? It's either going to be the same or it's going to get worse. But they don't expect it to get better. Because this thing has always been with me. This thing has been with me for a long time. This thing just doesn't seem to go away. I've gone here. I've done this. I've done this. I've changed this. Nothing seems to make it go. The woman with the issue of blood had that condition for how long? 11 years. It's a long time. She tried everything. Nothing was working. Then she heard about Jesus. You know how hard it is to get a person who has a chronic condition to expect a different result? But she got to that place. And she said, I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. I know it. See, a chronic condition can wear us down. It can alter our attitude. We had good attitudes before, now we got bad attitudes. They change our expectations. They reshape our vision for the future. We might think, oh, I got a bright future, but you have that chronic condition. Things are only going to get worse. Maybe it's not a fatal condition. If it is a fatal condition, you may say, well, I only got one or two or three years. Then I'm going to die. It reshapes our vision for the future and what's going to happen because we have this chronic condition, because we have this thing going on. Now, it might not just be a chronic condition with you. It might be with a person that's in your life. It might be a person in your life who has bad attitudes. It might be a person in your life who has, who's bringing terrible things into your life. They can wear you down too. They can alter your attitudes. They can change your expectations. They can reshape your future, your vision of your future. But you don't have to go that way. God has a, a way to get past it. That woman with the issue of blood, she got past it. These folks with the, the lepers, is that not a chronic condition? It's not supposed to ever go away. But Jesus healed the lepers. Amen. I put this in your outline for you. The path of ungratefulness is paved with the expectations of what I deserve. The path of ungratefulness is paved with the expectations of what I deserve. We think all the time, thoughts come in, you deserve better. You deserve that God should heal you. You deserve that God would do this for you. 
you deserve that people should do this. We think that, and thought after thought after thought comes in like that, and we pave the way of ungratefulness. You find an ungrateful person, you talk to them long enough, you will find out that there were expectations of what they should have, what they deserve, that never came their way. And they meditated on those things constantly. The path of ungratefulness is paved with the expectations of what I deserve. Well, then we, we speak or we think things about what I deserve. Right? I deserve this. How many of y'all know people that are on uh, welfare? And after a while, you, at first they were grateful. Boy, I'm so grateful that this program is out there. They can help me out. But then after a while, what happens? What do you mean you're going to cut that off? We begin to, I, I expect that to be there. I, I need that to be there. I deserve for that to be there. I always like these people who go around saying, you know, they have on some government program for some kind of support. I paid into that. Guarantee you didn't pay in as much as you think. So we begin to speak or think about things about what I deserve or what I have done. Isn't that what these folks think about? But I've done this. When Jesus pulls all those folks in there at the last days after the end of the tribulation period, called the judgment of nations or the sheep and the goats and he pulls them all up there and he says puts one on his left side and one on his right side and the ones on his left he says depart from me i never knew you what do they talk about all the things they did but we cast out demons in your name we heal people in your name he says depart from me i never knew you see people who go along this path will begin to quote things of what they did but i did this and i did that People have problems with their, their, their spouse. How many times do we go over? But I've done this. And I've done that. You have problems with your kids. You begin to think of, but I've done this. And I've done that. You have problems at your job. And what do you think about? But I've done this. And I've done this. And I stayed extra. And I worked hard. And I didn't do this. Right? Isn't that what we do? We think on these things and we get this place in our life where we are ungrateful, unthankful for the things that we have. We haven't realized that over at work we are ungrateful and unthankful for the job that we have. And it's come out in our attitudes. We're, the way we're treating other people, the way we're treating the customers, the way we're treating the, the workload that we're given. Because we keep thinking on these things. Keep meditating on these things. We go to God in prayer. And our prayers aren't as good as they used to be. They aren't like they used to be. Because I'm ungrateful. And my prayers are, are spent talking to God about what I've done. How hard I've worked. How faithful I've been. How lucky God is to have me. We laugh at Elijah when he does that. But we've done it ourselves. God, if I wasn't here. Yep. But, you know, just... Just like we don't appreciate being around people who are not grateful, who are not thankful, so too does God. He says, enter into the courts with thanksgiving, or into his courts with praise. This is what we need to do. This is what he expects. He says, when you come in, don't you be sad. Don't you be glum. Don't you be all down or all up on yourself. When you come in, be thankful. 
Be glad. If you are not thankful and glad, don't go into the presence of God. Don't go into his courts. Don't do it. Stay out. Say, God, I'm coming in just a minute. I need to get something right. <laughs> no, if you're, you're coming home and your attitude isn't right, maybe you ought to stay outside in the car for a little bit. Get your attitude right. Then come in the door. They don't need a sourpuss walking through the door. Being all nasty and how hard your day was and all that sort of stuff. Don't do it. So we look at what I deserve. We look at what I've done. We think about what I deserve. We think about what I've done. We keep meditating on these things. Here's the third one. We think about what others should do. It's hard to be thinking about all the stuff that you have done without thinking about what others should have done. Because instantly, when we think about what I have done, we are thinking immediately about, well, I'm doing this because so-and-so is not. Remember Mary and Martha? Jesus comes into the house. He's sitting there teaching. Somebody's sitting at his feet. And somebody's in the kitchen. The one in the kitchen says, Make her help. So what's she thinking about when she's in the kitchen? Look at what all I'm doing. And I'm doing it all. How come Mary's not out here helping me out? How come I'm the one who's in here doing this? I'm doing it. I got to, I got to make the cornbread and the gravy and the potatoes and the meat and I got to carve the meat. Sure be nice to have somebody come in. Even if they only came in and cut the meat up, that would be nice. But you don't really mean that because you want them to come in. If they came in and cut the meat up, you'd be saying, well, how come that's all you're doing? Right? Because you have been diligent. You have done this, and you have done this, and you have done this, and you've done this. And so finally, Mary or Martha's had enough. She comes out to Jesus. Jesus, tell my sister to come in. I mean, all these other dorks, I don't expect anything out of them. But my sister, I expect something out of her. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. It's never good when he calls your name twice. Peter, Peter. Yeah, it's never good when he calls your name. This is not a good thing. We think about what I have done, and we think about what others should do. Now, you, you follow this line of thinking. I will guarantee you 100% of the people that go along this line of thinking, what they have done outweighs everything else anyone else has done. According to Martha, what she did is probably more important than Jesus. Don't you think so? Otherwise, she'd be out there listening to what Jesus has to do instead of in there in the kitchen. She thinks what she's doing is even more important than what Jesus is doing. What I deserve, what I have done, what others should do. Here's the last one. What others haven't done. What others haven't done. Well, no one came over and gave me one of those. Somebody could have been here last Sunday. And made it through the whole service. Got out to the car and did not get a piece of banana cake. Banana bread to take home. Saw all the other people coming out with pumpkin bread and <laughs> banana bread, but none for them. And they could be thinking, how come no one came up and gave me one? I like banana bread. I like pumpkin bread. I'd be happy with you. How come no one came up and gave me one? And we could be thinking that. What was all that needed to be done? Ask, because apparently there was extra. How many of y'all know that was good, too? I don't think it's physically possible for me to eat too much pumpkin bread or banana bread. It may be, but I don't think so. 
I love those things. Hey, we're good. Oh, I'll tell you what. But they could be thinking they could be thinking about what other people haven't done. Well, wait a minute. Why didn't you just ask for one? You saw them being handed out. Why didn't you just say, oh, I, I'll take one? Well, I didn't want to impose. You'd just rather impose your bad attitude. <laughs> we appreciate that. Thank you for that bad attitude you put on all of us. Last week, we were happy to give you some banana bread, but instead this week, you're going to give us some bad attitude. And of course, you get somebody who says, well, I didn't get to make it out of the church. I didn't know you were giving away banana bread. Snooze, you lose. <laughs> I mean, right? Just because you didn't know. I mean, if you say you heard all the people on Friday talking about what a fantastic Eagles game and the thumping they put on Dallas. <laughs> and you said, oh, I, I would have watched. I didn't know it was on. Why didn't you tell me it was on? Did I tell you any other time that the Eagles are playing? Did you ask me to tell you when the Eagles are playing? No. Don't do it. Don't be thinking on these things. All right. How do we maintain a grateful and thankful attitude? This is the important part. How do we maintain it? Because you've got to maintain it. If you maintain things, it's better than fixing things. It's better just to maintain it. Whole lot better than calling up the uh, serious repair guy. Come on in, fix this thing up. Because it's not working. Because it broke. When you need the washing machine to work, it's good for it to work. Not when you call up the repair man. He says it'll take me three days to get there. That's three days of laundry. When you got the dishwasher, when you got the heater, I need the heater now. It's going down to thirteen tonight. I need the heater now. We can't get anybody over there now. Why didn't you call us in in the fall and let us service the thing? I didn't think it needed service, but it needs fixing now. They could have spotted a problem with it and taken care of the whole thing, but no, we didn't do it. whole lot better to maintain stuff. You know, you maintain your car, you put gas in it, you put oil in it, you change the oil every once in a while, change the air filters, you do stuff like that. You maintain it because you maintain it, it functions better. Maintain a grateful or a thankful attitude. It takes maintenance. Because the world is working on getting you out of it. It will take some maintenance. All right, first off, speak or, uh, speak or think highly of others. Word of God teaches that all the time, doesn't it? Speak or think highly of others. When thoughts about other people come in, make sure that they're ones that think highly of them. When thoughts about your boss come in, think highly of your boss. When thoughts about your co-workers come to you, think highly of your co-workers. Most of those other thoughts, what people haven't done, what people should have done, you're not thinking highly of them. So speak, speak or think highly of others. Maintain that. If a stray thought comes in and you begin, begin to think less of other people, co-workers, bosses, spouses, kids, relatives, neighbors, friends, whoever it might be, fellow church people. Think highly of others. That's the Word of God. That's what it tells us to do. Think highly of others. You ought to think higher of other people than you do yourself. doesn't mean you've got to think low of yourself. Just don't think of other people as less than you think of yourself. Here's the second one. Speak or think highly of God. It seems... Easy enough. Well, of course you would think highly of God. No, think about some of your thoughts that come along this way. God, I don't understand. Why did you 
let this happen to me. Is that a high thought of God? God, I'm so angry at you right now. I can't believe that this was allowed by you to go on in my life. God, why did you let me get fired? God, why did that person walk out of my life? We get mad at God. We blame him for just about everything that happens in our life that isn't good. Act of God. That's not thinking highly of of God. What we ought to do is think, God, I thank you that every good and every perfect gift comes from you. I don't know where this thing came from. (laughs) But I know it didn't come from you. So we need to get rid of this thing. I mean, that's all you got to do. Take whatever it is you got. Is it good? Every good and every perfect thing comes from God. Is it good? Is it perfect? If it's not good, if it's not perfect, it ain't from God. God gives good presents. He gives good gifts. His blessings are phenomenal. But if you begin to think that all the nasty stuff in your life, I'm sure no one here thinks this, but people from other churches, you know them, some of them think this. They have a condition, chronic condition, painful condition. Well, God brought it on me to teach me a lesson. God's trying to keep me humble. So he put this on me so that I would stay humble. Well, what's your opinion of God then? You've all heard people come up to folks who lost uh, someone close to them. Well, God just decided he wanted them into his place more than he wanted them here. God just was lonely and he wanted to bring them up to heaven. God needed, I love this one. God needed another angel, so he called them up to heaven. Not founded in the word of God at all. Because we don't become angels. That would be a demotion. God doesn't demote people. So stop thinking thoughts that are not high on God. That are not exalting to God. You've got to keep thinking highly of others. Keep thinking highly of God. Here's another one. Third one. Speak or think highly of what you have. When you go out to that car in the morning, can't believe this old bucket of bolts. I'm still stuck with it. Can't stand this car. I don't like the color. I don't like the seats. I don't like the way it shakes. I don't like the... We constantly come out and we talk about this blessing that God has given us and we talk about all the nasty parts about it. Or we come out to the car, you better, you better start. I'm not putting up with your nonsense today. You better start. We're not thinking highly of that car. Think highly of the car. Go out to that car. Say, thank you, God. I like my car. I am glad that you have blessed me with a car. Maybe your car is paid for. Maybe it's not paid for. If it's not paid for, Father, I thank you that you have provided me a job to keep making the payments on this car. Glory to God. I thank you for the money that comes in to keep making the payments on this car. If the car is paid off, thank you, God, that that car is paid off. Thank you, God, that that car is, is taken care of. Glory to God. Glory to That's a good thing, isn't it? One more month, my truck is paid off. Early. <laughs> Got it paid off early. Glory to God. Glad for that. Going out there, and the, you know, I still speak good things to that car. Had it a lot of years now. Done a lot of things. Gotten a few dings and a few dents in it. It's all right. It's a truck. I go out there and see that. I said, it's all right. It's a truck. It's made to do that. It's supposed to work. It's supposed to work hard. And it does. Thank God for that. Every time I carry a load, thank you, thank you God, for a truck that's strong enough to carry all this stuff. And it does. It carries it all. 
be thankful for what you got. But you, we all know it's real easy to, to become unthankful. I don't know about you, but you know when the new phones come out, I can become very unthankful about my phone. I don't know if that plagues you at all, but you know I love technology. When the new technology is out, I can become very unthankful of the technology that I have. Yep, we can do stuff like that. But stay thankful. Stay thankful. Speak, think highly of what you have. Speak or think highly of what has been done. What has God done for you? Speak highly of it. Father God, I thank you for your healing power. I remember just six months ago, I had that thing going on and you healed me of that. Oh, that was so... Thank you, Father God, for doing that. And Father, I thank you that, you know, eight months before that, you had this, I had this thing going on and I got healed of that too. Thank you, Father, for that. Oh, and Father, I was studying in your word the other day and you showed me this wonderful truth. Thank you for showing me that truth. And Father, we were in church the other day and they sang a song. I'd never heard that song before, but oh, I'm so thankful the worship team learned that song and brought it into us that I got to learn. I'm going to go find that song. I love that song. That song was so good. That really ministered to me. And you go on home and you listen to it some more. You stay thankful. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for what has been done. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So what's he saying? Stop thinking about negative stuff. Negative stuff about people. Negative stuff about your spouse. Negative stuff about your kids. Negative stuff about your job. Negative stuff about your boss. Negative stuff about your fellow employees, about your neighbors, about your friends, about your church people. About your in-laws and outlaws. <laughs> Don't think negatively on it. Now, you know, we, we can do this for... There's probably like a 50% of the people we have in our life. We can do this easily. There's 25% that are a challenge. And then there's another group of people that you got to be kidding me. Them? Think good things about them? Do you see what they're doing? Do you see what they say? But look at what he says here. Well, this word here for Thanksgiving, he says, with Thanksgiving. Let's take a look at this. This is a word that's a, it's a compound word. First part of that means good or well, and the second part is the word for grace. This is where the word that the uh, church gets the, word, the, the phrase Eucharist from. It means an outpouring of grace and of wonderful feelings that freely flow from the heart in response to someone or something. An outpouring of grace and of wonderful feelings that freely flow from the heart in response to someone or something. If something is given by grace, did you earn it? Then it's not given by what they have done or have not done. Right? Grace is based on the person who gives it. So when you give this Thanksgiving, it's based on you, not them. Speaks about you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
Now, this isn't in your outline. I just wrote this down in mine because this is what the, the direction we go. He says, first off, be anxious for nothing. But in response to that, we're generally anxious about something or everything. You know people that are anxious about everything? You know people that are anxious about something? But he says, be anxious for nothing except for... No, the Amplified doesn't even carry it that way. If it's not in the Amplified, it can't be anywhere in there, right? Because they, they pull out everything that could be there. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Well, we quit that. Instead, we speak prayers that beg. We forget supplication. We're begging and pleading. Supplication is to know what the Word says. Say, Father God, this is what your Word says. Thank you, Father, that you've done it. Begging says, but, but God, I've been to church every Sunday this whole month. But I've read your Bible. But I spent time in prayer every day. Uh Uh-uh. We don't beg. Don't beg. Don't go before God and beg. Don't go before God and tell him all your merits, why he should do it. He's not interested in that. Speak prayers that beg is what people do. And here's the last one. He says, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We don't let our requests be made known to God. We guilt others into it. You ever think about that? I mean, if, if you have some money, somebody knows you have a good job and get a, a good pay, isn't it amazing how many people will come up to you and say, brother, sister, will you agree with me together? I have this need. I have $100. I need $100 to pay off this bill at the end of the month. Will you just agree with me that, that, that God will provide this? Somebody found out that you just had a bonus at work came into a large sum of money, got an inheritance, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden they're coming in out of the woodwork. Would you please pray with me? We don't have the money for the rent this week, and we're going to get kicked out if we don't have it. Would you just please please pray and agree that we'll have the money that we need? What are they actually doing? trying to do? They're not making requests known to God. They're making the requests known to you. They're trying to guilt you into doing it. Don't let people guilt you into doing stuff not a good thing to do with thanksgiving thanksgiving is an attitude that needs to be maintained we need to maintain it it doesn't just stay there there are other things that constantly try and work it out faith is the same way faith has to be maintained fear comes in and tries to replace it love has to be maintained other things come in and try to replace it These need to be maintained. Joy needs to be maintained. Just because you're filled with joy today doesn't mean you'll be filled with joy tomorrow. The Word of God says that your joy may be full. There are some things you need to do to maintain it. There are some things you can do in your car to make sure that the gas is full. You don't just drive around and expect it just to materialize in the tank. It will, if you maintain it, it will stay full. You've got to go up to the gas station. Take out your credit card or your cash. Take the pump out. Put it in the gas tank. Fill it up. If you're in New Jersey, they do it for you. If you're in Pennsylvania, you're on your own. But you've got to go out there and you've got to do these things. It needs, to, it needs to be done. Just because Jersey pumps it for you doesn't mean they'll pull your car in too. 
you got to do some things to pull your car in. You got to do some things to maintain it. We got to maintain faith. We got to maintain thankfulness. We got to maintain that attitude of gratefulness. And the expectations of what you deserve are paving the way for you to go down the wrong direction. Don't let it don't think on those things. What do you deserve? Man, I I deserve hell. Glory to God, I didn't get it though. Glory to God, I got heaven. And I got the spirit of the living God living on the inside of me. Maintain being grateful. Be grateful for your spouse. Maintain that attitude every day. Be grateful for your children. Be grateful for your job. Be grateful for your neighbors. Be grateful for your coworkers. Be, be grateful for the salary that you receive. Be grateful for the car and the things that God has blessed you with. Be grateful for it. God never gets tired of us being grateful. Walk out to that car every day. Look at that car. Thank you, Father. Like that car. Enjoy that car. And walk out to your car. Hate this thing. Hate this thing. Can't stand this thing. Don't like it. <laughs> Come on, I've been there. I've done that to the cars, you know. It's, that first car I had, I did not like that car. Close the door, it felt like you're closing the top of a tin can. Did not like that car. Had it for one year. Got rid of it, got a car I liked. Closed that door, you closed the door. I mean, you closed the real door. You had a real door on the inside of you, not a tin can lid. That was nice. <coughs> Kept that car until I found a car I liked better. Got that one. Every time I went out to that car, Father God, I thank you for this car. Thank you for this car. Glory to God, I thank you for this car. Maintained it. Worked on it. Did it on a regular basis. Stay grateful for that. Stay grateful for what you have. It's real easy. There's some things in our lives that, you know, we can become less grateful for less happy about, especially when you get into the maintenance of all, all the stuff that's involved. But isn't life better with the car that you got than not having one at all? Isn't life better with the job that you have than not having it at all? Isn't life better with the people that are in your life than not having anyone at all? Sometimes the devil just sows in our thinking, you need a change. But there's never a guarantee that a change is good. Never a guarantee. Most times, it's bad. Most times, things changed. It wasn't for the good. Be grateful. Be thankful. Isn't it nice that we live in a country that has us think about being grateful and thankful once a year? If we just maintain that attitude on a regular basis, even just once a year, we come back and bring ourselves, how am I doing? How am I doing on that? Am I there? Go far. Help us out. What is it that you are grateful for? I don't just mean praise things. I don't just, well, God did this for me. What are you grateful for? What has God put in your life? What has God done for you? What has God added for you? What has God worked for you? What is a blessing that God has given you? That you are grateful for. Not what he brought you out of. Not what he did for you. Not what he healed you from. What is it? What attribute of God? What trait in your life? What thing 
that God has given you are you eternally grateful for? You're thinking on that? If you have something you want to write down for our praise time, raise your hand up. Ray's going to hand you out some, some cards. We'd like to hear what you have on that. There was a story of a prophet in the Old Testament. He went out and he, he married someone who was a harlot. And he took her from that lifestyle where she had to earn a living the way that a harlot would earn a living. And God said, I want you to go and I want you to take that woman and I want you to marry her. I want you to bring her into your house and I want you to treat her as your wife. So Hosea did that. He went out there and married her, brought her into the house. How many know that lifestyle was better than what she was doing before? It's a scary lifestyle. But somehow she began to think life was better the way it was before. And she left her husband to go out and to be a harlot again. And God told him, he says, I want you to go and find Gomer. I want you to go find her. I want you to bring her back. If you're Hosea, the first thing you would think of is, I didn't want to marry her in the first place. She was a harlot. What are people going to think of me marrying her? But then she came into this lifestyle, and it was lifestyle was better. She didn't have to go out in the streets and earn a living. She could stay at home. Somehow she began to think she was missing out on something. Somehow it was better before, and she left what she had. And God still said to him, the prophet, go and get her and bring her back. It was all to show Israel something, that even though Israel had played the hard, that God would come back. And bring them back in. So he did it. He did that. How grateful, how thankful of an attitude must have he to have done it. How unthankful was Gomer for having walked away. But she got a second chance. What is it that God has blessed you with? What is it that God has gifted to you that you are just so grateful and thankful for. Something I have, I think my wife was asking me about this, said, what are some of the things that you were thankful for? I've, I've never tired of this. I love his word. I'm never tired of when God gives me a revelation. God gives me an insight. God shows me something. I never tire of it. I get so excited every time he does it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm grateful. My wife and I are so grateful that we get to spend as much time with our kids as we do. Christian has been delayed in going away. We got an extra few months with him. We, we love that. Our daughter and Nikolai, they come over to the house lots of time. We get a lot of interaction with our granddaughter. Never tire of it. Never tire. Of course, she's cute as a button, so that helps. Granddaughter is too. These are fun things. These are good things. We get to see our kids grow up and the things of God and, and help other people. Oh, it's wonderful stuff. Never get tired of that. Never get tired of seeing that. What are some of the things that you are grateful for? As you get them ready, pass them on in. We'll start reading some of them off. Let's hear what you got to say.